Hi, I may not be a gay in the military, but I've commanded a commodore around more than once in my day. It's Condé Nasty. And I don't need camouflage to make a bitch disappear. It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Ursula, how you doing? Uh, I'm okay. I have coffee. Spotty internet coverage, but coffee, so. <laughs> Life happens. Yeah. I'd love to make a comment on your camo look, but I can't see it. <laughs> I'm killing myself. Um, so today we have a very special guest returning to the podcast. It's been a while, but we are so excited. Uh, Ursula says she'll unapologetically fuck your man, then act like you're being weird about it. I say that's just her drag aesthetic, but why wait around to find out? It's that girl! Hey! Welcome back! Welcome back! Thank you, thank you. It's been a minute. How are you ladies? We are lovely, and we are also recording on June 28th, which is the 51st anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, but more importantly, that girl's birthday! Yes, yes! Happy birthday, bitch. Thank you. Yeah, no, I was like, did you destined to be totally gay? <laughs> truly. <laughs> truly destined to be totally gay. Hersla and I were both born right by Halloween, and I feel similarly... Appropriate, not yeah. quite as, yeah. Uh, I was supposed to be born on Christmas Day. I got here early to get here at Halloween. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Wow. It's very funny because, like, you know, the gay high holidays, Halloween and Pride, like, I uh, grew up with a brother that was a New Year's baby and hated, 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 hated the fact that his birthday was on New Year's every year. Everyone was always busy. No one gave a crap about his birthday. Total afterthought, like, resented other people for their birthday and everything. And then I, I like, fundamentally didn't understand. And then I became a gay adult. With the birthday of June 28th, and I was just, like, we had a heart-to-heart literally, like, two years ago, and I was just (laughs) like, I understand everything that you were feeling growing up now, because apparently later in life, I realized that my birthday is on a day where no one gives a fuck about me either. See, I'm just the opposite. Like... Everyone's already throwing a Halloween party, so that means I don't have to do any work to get a birthday party, and every party I go to is now automatically my birthday party. You just gotta, you gotta flip your perspective. <laughs> I, I've started doing that mainly because I also like my sanity and self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> that is wise. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like having my birthday right next to Halloween, I've always just been like, excuse for a, like, costume birthday party. Like, I've fully leaned in but i'm not sure if it's just a lot easier to lean in but yeah um but i also love that this is your birthday because you are disturbingly clairvoyant so of course you are a cancer yeah 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 no on the nose (laughs) chop 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 that uh i mean podcast very visual that was me with my little pinchers yeah (laughs) yeah because i'm a fucking crab (laughs) very very on brand um so I have been quarantining with you, um, yes. and first I'd like to take a moment to thank you for the sultry renditions of Fiona Apple classics that you have been providing me. Yes. Um, having you in the bathtub nude with a bottle of rosé serenade me to criminal with the spirit and embodiment that I could only compare to Dita Ritz performing 
um oh my god what was this will be an everlasting love yeah this will be an everlasting love like did you you hear the disdain with which i informed you of that (laughs) (laughs) it escaped me but my point is only like adita ritz level of spiritually embodying the song you were just no clothes no wig just a bottle of rosé, a bathtub, and your bare soul moved me. I feel so lucky that I was able to experience that. And I'm the only one who got to experience that during this well, quarantine. Well, if uh, if it wasn't very clear to everyone that's listening, like, my, my, like, drag persona soul is definitely, like, alt-girls from the 90s, and I exclusively am, like, Fiona Apple, Alanis Morissette, like, uh, Gwen Stefani, all those bitches. It's anything that they do, I can just, like, oh, like, totally just, like, I ate your soul, and now it's in me, and I'm gonna belt it out. You do love a jagged little pill lip sync moment oh, for sure, mom. Yeah, no, but definitely like not so much ironic, but some of the edgier stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for sure, sure. So, also in quarantine, you and I have been watching a lot of television. So I wanted to do a quick segment, a quick new segment called Speed Review because I'm in the mood. Um, wherein okay. we do a speed recap of stuff we've been watching in quarantine. So, first off, the Disney to Hulu moved gay teen dramedy, Love, Victor, the yeah. follow-up to Love, Simon. What yeah. were your thoughts? Oh, I I loved it. And I loved it because it was a portrayal of, like, queer teenage experience that was not, like, you know... Your stereotypical, I'm a platinum gay, like, misogyny-laced, like, gay experience where it was actually like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's it's really messy and sometimes really, really selfish. And, uh, you know, that that's part of it. And, like, you know, coming out, you're gonna, you're gonna dick some people over and, uh, that's just, that's just par for the course but at the same time it's also like you know you're not you're not trying to do anything bad in the moment but you know in hindsight it was a little bit sloppy bitch i liked it i liked it me too i felt like it was it had the sterile crate and barrel catalog veneer of love simon but it was also like we're a latino family that's a little more lower middle class and like, because it's a series and not a two-hour film, it's allowed to get messy. And he did have, like, a romantic entanglement with a female lead that he had real feelings for. But then he was falling for a boy. Like, I thought it did a much better job of portraying, of hitting a lot of important milestones to the coming out experience and portraying the messiness and the unintended, like, self-centered awful person moments that i think happen for a lot of people in high school drama moments did she feel seen she did feel seen did she feel she felt very as a as a kinsey five who has had one very meaningful relationship with a woman uh yeah i felt very seen because that's never really portrayed um and also katya made a cameo that's true was it better than the cameo in aj and the queen 
No. <laughs> Sadly not. They underutilized her. For sure. Also, Katya was trying to gain weight for a while, and I think there was like a minute where she managed to like bloat up to like 20 pounds, but then lost it right away because she like, she talked about this all the time. She like can't gain weight. And it was very weird because it was like clear that she filmed it. I think the fattest she has ever been, which is not fat, but you never see her puffy in the face. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was good. Um, also Sailor Moon Crystal, what are her thoughts? Um, or Sailor Moon as a whole? Well, I've mainly been rewatching like classic 90s Sailor Moon, which on revisit, like I realize all the things that I loved about it from when I was a kid and all those things still hold true because it is a campy mess of a show and I just love how utterly ridiculous it is. Sailor Moon Crystal is more to the point, and I like that about it, but at the same time, I can't get over the animation style, which is beautiful, which is dramatic, which is high drag, but simultaneously, I'm just like, those legs are not supporting that body structure, and then on top of that, why do they all move like robots? They do like, move I like feel robots. like it's like, it was animated by, like, a studio that does, like, mech anime animation as opposed to, like, magical girls. So it kind of, like, especially in the intro, I'm just like, they're moving like they're robots as opposed you're right, to, like, you're right. people. And classic Sailor Moon is way more gem in the holograms and way more queer than I ever realized. It is so oh, fucking yeah, queer. Oh, yeah, no, that shit is gay as hell. It girl. is the gayest show. I... What I loved most of all was the lesbian couple, uh, Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus. Uranus. Uh, oh my god, soft butch, big dick vibes for days. Yeah. Sailor Neptune reminded me very much of our friend who's like femme lesbian who's like no, I'm in all ways better than everyone. Yeah, but kind of effortlessly, <laughs> and this is my like competent, brilliant, accomplished, soft butch, significant other, who on the surface seems like badass and they have everything. And then you look to the side and you're like, oh, you're wise beyond your years, Yoda. Like, you're you're the one who puts this one in their place. Um, so, I fucking love that show. Alright, I think that is enough to wrap up our speed review segment, which probably wasn't as speedy as intended. Thank you for bearing with us, Hersula. Uh, And now let's get to the show. We are here to recap and review RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 5, Episode 4, SheMZ. Right away, the girls come back into the room. Shay thanks everybody, looking especially directly at Alexis and uh, Mayhem, thanking them for keeping her and having faith before then they count the lipsticks and count the votes and it becomes clear that those two girls voted for her to leave and could not even bullshit their ways into why they justifiably wanted to send her home which you know i love it when the episode starts with menacing tension menacing tension and right away you know either mayhem or alexis is going home (laughs) or the big gag would be shay goes home what did you guys think of that whole i just don't understand why these girls are being such stupid sloppy hoes like Tell it like it is, No, Ma. but seriously, if you're gonna play a game, play it right. If you're gonna vote for the top person to go out, don't fucking even come clean. 
They don't know who put that fucking lipstick in the box, and there's no way through process of elimination they could determine it, because if you all say you voted for uh, Mariah, then you have no way of knowing who actually voted for Shay, and you all look like a bunch of shady bitches, the fans will drag you, but if you're gonna play a game, play it right. Thank you, Tatiana. I, or or at least be nakedly honest. Like I voted you off. Like you, I I Manila. I tried to Manila you. End of story. Yeah, yeah. Like literally, I tried to Manila you. It did play my way, but you know that's what I was going for. Or just be that bitch that just is like, I ain't saying shit to no. Also, it ju- it's just luck of the draw. Shay is not the queen to try that shit with. Like, if you wanted to try to take out another queen and it fails, you might live to see another dawn. Not this time, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, no. That bitch is from Chicago. You're lucky that when you put that lipstick in the box, you didn't pull back a bloody stump. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, So then the next day they divvy up the girls into teams for the shemz challenge in a completely random drop price waterhouse cooper pulled those names out of a hat with two lawyers watching there was no producer structured manipulation in those team assignments in any way and i won't brook discussion otherwise <laughs> absolutely and that is why shay and alexis ended up together um and right away they're hamming it up like they're trying to produce camp for the show it's ridiculous um, and then Cracker, Juju, and Blair end up on a team together, which I fucking love their little let's talk it out white nonsense moment of no. I just I needed a <laughs> moment for me. No, I needed a moment for you. No, I needed a moment for me. And Juju sitting in the middle being funny, both physically in the moment and in the interview about it. Like, I fucking love Juju. She's a national treasure. That whole thing was fucking per- great. It was, was like, perfect. Juju it was perfect. sandwich on white bread mm. yeah no, i'm aroused I, that was one of those things where i was just like i i fell in love with juju all over again because of her commentary like she's bringing it with the commentary all season i'm here for it especially in the confessional so funny and then the third group was uh india and mayhem which just seemed like a recipe for we're gonna send one of these girls home <laughs> it was a recipe for yeah. mediocrity <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I was about to say a recipe for beige. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it was just like, ah, ain't nothing special happening with this group. Yeah. Um, Alright, so then let's get to the performances. I have to say, I actually thought Mayhem and India did a good job. I feel like both of them are queens that I find underwhelming. And for them, I felt like they both did a pretty good job with this prompt. But I also think they're people where I'm like, you barely made it onto an all-star season. Like you're, I just, having seen what they've done before, I think both of them did the best they can do. And I was impressed with what they did. And there were moments that were funny, though there were moments that stalled. I was very confused about the fact of like, what, where did this licking thing come from? Why did they do it? That was so strange. Like literally my thought. That was so weird. My thought, and bear with me for a second, was my thought is that Mayhem on her season for the Improv Challenge had to do something with weird, like, fetishy, like, I, you know, the whole Mr. Dill thing, like, I'm scared of, yeah, yeah. irrationally scared of pickles. So I was just like, oh, so she, she ran, 
started from her point of failure and then like branched off into oh but we should make them like weird in some sort of fetish way because they love that shit and then that's how they came up with looking and i'm just like no don't do oh oh and the looking doesn't relate is like an ariana grande scandal thing um, oh, she did like a donut. Yeah, I think it's like they were trying to tie in celebrity scandal. That said, India licked that like she was trying to aggressively rim somebody and open their whole asshole up. That that donut crumbled like she was assaulting it. Like what a muscular tongue! It was so. It was like that's not licking. You're like crushing the donut with your tongue right now yeah and Whew. then they're licking the ground and that's just strange yeah, well yeah no upsetting. especially because the whole premise is you're licking the, the surface of the donut the vagina vase like that is now yeah. broken on the ground like i feel like yeah. if you like i don't i don't know a whole lot about licking fetishes but i'm just like that's like that's like step step nine on the continuum not yeah that's that's definitely varsity level they did um, not uh, for me, manage to milk the comedy out of it like <laughs> no well i just i don't think the setups were that great no like um i think juju and cracker were the most successful because they gave their skit levels yeah. they were places totally. to go and they responded to each and other they obviously wrote funny shticks like beforehand to be able to add in the moment like, yeah, there was yeah, like, and like multiple there were multiple storylines within their storyline. Yeah. Like they were given a base prop, but like what was the weird relationship between Cracker and Jujubee? Like what was happening with that? Yeah. I, yeah, cuz like with with India and Mayhem, they 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 started okay. It's a it's a decent improv prompt, but it went to 12 right away. Like anytime you see live improv, and, you know, they ask the audience for a location. Someone inevitably says brothel, and that's a terrible idea because you can't start your improv at the high end. You have to – it has to start in a store yeah. because then it has somewhere to go. Yeah. Um, that was kind of my soft complaint about Alexis and uh, Shay's one where it just became a lot of shouting. And I think that was mostly due to Alexis's inability to let a silence hang there. But it seemed to just get right to – one sustained loud very quickly and not come back. There were some funny bits, like the hoarding the food, hiding the food in her in her top. That was the hiding the food in the top was funny. But I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be the like lightning rod of controversy, and then I'll say that was actually my least favorite scene of the three, and I was shocked and shook that Alexis and Shay were both not in the bottom. I was going to say, regarding the Shay and Alexis scene, my issue is, I think, and I think this was intentional, I think, I've kind of avoided all the conspiracy theories, and, kind of, and hey, don't hate on Alexis, but I do think that she's playing to win in a really direct, one-dimensional way that is not going to work out well for her, and I think that she broke the third rule of improv, which is don't block. I think she was very intentionally trying to talk so much the whole time that Shay would not manage to be funny and would end up in the bottom. I think Shay had a great look and idea. Whatever she was able to squeeze in, she maintained in character and was able to give funny physicality, but was never able to talk long enough to be funny. I don't know if she would have succeeded or not. I thought Alexis was very intentionally steamrolling with the intention of making it so that Shay can never talk to 
get her in the bottom. Sort of like Milk in the All-Stars 3 uh, Bachelor, whatever it was, the Bitchler parody with uh, Milk and Trixie. So I, I thought that was intentional. And for me, if you're doing an improv challenge, like the third rule of improv is don't block. And as far as I'm concerned, if I was on the judging panel, I would basically be like, Alexis, you're going home. I, like, you're going home. I, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know what it is, but, like, you you clearly have a much higher opinion of both Alexis and Milk and their level of self-awareness than I do. Because, like, I don't think that there was, like, any way, any way, any way at all <laughs> that Milk knew that that's what she oh, was no, doing. Oh, no, Milk didn't. Milk didn't. And I, I think, think Alexis the same did. thing of Alexis. There's no way that she has the level of, like self-reflection and self-awareness to actually be able to do that and then on top of that she's also can't carry that type of scene with having it have multiple levels so it was like the one-two punch of like i only have one level to give you and i have no self-awareness to actually be able to create space for my partner because all my my entire life is consumed with taking up as much space and pulling as much focus as I can while existing. So I just I I don't even think that was a conscious thought in her brain. It was literally like this this is how you do this well, and she just didn't know how to do it. I get it. I still found I still found Alexis and Shay's a little more if not pleasant, at least less unpleasant to watch. The Indian Mayhems just didn't do it for me. Like, once it got off the first joke of I've caught you shoplifting, it just laid there. Collectively, except for Juju and Cracker's Oscar-worthy performances, I found the entire thing kind of unending and excruciating. Oh, totally. I, I generally enjoy Drag Race. I did not enjoy watching this one too much. Parts of it were entertaining, the challenge was, like, I agree with you, other than Juju and Cracker, eh? Um, well, even the boy drag stuff, like... Triggering as fuck. Idea. Let's get into that, Mom. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was... I, I think it was a cute idea to pair... And I hate TMZ, and anytime I watch regular TV and stumble upon it, I immediately go elsewhere because it is just like, oh, God, my soul's dirty. But it would have worked as, like, uh, intro and an outro... They went back to that well, like, 15 times of them shouting. I feel like it would have been a lot better had they actually not improv that part and actually had lines. But because, like, it, it's one thing to have a bunch of, like, gay men get dressed up in straight, dra like, straight bro drag and then, like, you know, deliver some, like lines whatever it's a totally different thing to have a bunch of gay men like do straight bro improv and then mo like literally be like hey interface with your trauma in trying to delete deliver a three-dimensional person of what is most likely people that abused you when you were younger and the way that that manifested was like i'm going to be the biggest douche void of impossible existence and it just, like, read as insufferable douche void, which, I mean, also true to form. But Such <laughs> an accurate statement then, on gay men's view of straight men, which is not great uh, and not unjustified. But the, 
Yeah, but the problem is, from an entertainment standpoint, you had seven of them. Like, again, <sighs> much like the improv scenes themselves, they lacked levels yeah. and changes. So... They also just couldn't do it. The physicality, the voice. Like, watching them really struggle to even parody Butch It Up was <laughs> so funny and cringeworthy. If I had a bottle of, like, Xanax in my apartment, I would have overdosed. Um, it was so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, Blair St. Clair beat for the gods with her Justin Bieber hair and her, her, her baseball cap. I was, I was, I was here for it. But I did, I did think it had some sort of semblance of structure insofar as they only took comments from the, like, Who's ever seen it was were the commentators for that like the douche bro yeah, yeah. commentators for that scene. So it wasn't like totally uh, you know disconnected an unstructured just like shit show, but simultaneously it it was it was not. It not was the not team the tea. It was the not the team mom. It was it was very uncomfortable to watch. It was like it was just so uncomfortable to watch. It also made me really grateful that it's not like 2006. <laughs> like, I feel like in a lot of ways, there have been other eras where like fashion feels a lot more delineated and the march of time feels real. Watching that felt like, huh, God, so yeah, glad it, this era is over. I, I, it really made me feel like, oh, we really have progressed a lot because I don't really uh, experience this level of like douche bro. From actual straight people anymore. Yeah. And that's really refreshing. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, progress. Progress. To have it parodied back in such a way, I was. But I will say this if they hadn't done that part, I would have felt like it was incomplete. No, that makes sense. They needed to do something. I just think they needed to do less of it. Had it just been a. a one intro, one outro, I think a lot of it would have worked better because you can do that intense for a much shorter period of time. It was constant. Every time they went back, I'm like, oh, this again. I have to sit through another 30 seconds of this. I don't know how much it's the structure that bothers me. Like, your suggestion makes sense. It makes sense to bounce in and out of it, whatever. I just think it's so triggering and they're so bad at it that it was just like, this is uncomfortable. My whole body is a clenched fist right now. Um, but speaking on the March of Time, Carson doing like 1960s, 1970s, clo- like transparently closeted gay celebrity with an ascot in a way that was so gay bar, older Gen X, like baby boomer gay cliche joke. I was like, most of your audience has no idea what the fuck you're doing right now um, because they're too young to get this at all. But well, I thought maybe that was... that's how they get their introduction. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. Um, and on that, let's take a quick commercial break and take it to the runway. Isolated at home, desperate for human contact, but afraid of risking the other side of your front door, wondering if you still remember the scent of a man. Distant Daddy Deliveries is here to help. Once a week, we'll send a handsome silver fox to your home who will maintain six feet of physical distance and a world of emotional distance, just like your real father. Do you find you miss the feeling of never being good enough? Do you ache for disapproving silence? 
Have you finally given in to the fact that you'll only ever love men who will never love you back? Distant Daddy Deliveries is here for you. And Reading Drag Race has a special offer code just for you. Go to the website and enter the code FREUDIAN for all your disapproving father figure needs. And for those of you looking for the opposite experience, we'll be setting up our other service where we send you an oversharing mother with no boundaries, whose well-intentioned support still sometimes feels oppressive like a weighted blanket, next week. All right, and we are back, and it's time to take it to the runway. Um, so, RuPaul's look this week, what'd you think? Eh. I want to like it more than I did. The shoulder is yeah. like kind of like a weird baseball jacket shoulder that then has like this high thing that like... It doesn't really come together in any way that feels avant-garde or interesting. It's just kind of awkward. Um, yeah. But... I didn't understand, like, the how the one side has this, like, varsity jacket kind of feel with the, like, cuff on the wrist. And then it just seemed... Is it is it baseball pendants? Yeah. Or is it graffiti? It looks like baseball pendants, like, but sewed together in a way that it's, like these triangles coming together so it almost looks like graffiti yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't care for it personally but i did like the rest of the look the hair and makeup looks great hair and makeup are great i like want to like this look and feel like it came together more than it did i really wanted to like it too because it like i i felt that it was going in a direction that i would have liked so i was like you know here for it but yeah then i didn't like the actual yeah. execution. it's it. conceptually fun like yeah. i wanted to like it and like a for effort conceptually for sure yeah i can't tell are those like real teams or like is so. that like i okay because i couldn't tell like are they joke teams or something like we can't read them but i'm guessing that green one at the top is actually kitty with a paw given what we can see of it okay yeah yeah so uh the kitty girls yeah so all right, so uh, what did you think of this week's runway? Cha- like, oh, just the idea one more the thing. Challenge. The guest judge this week is Sarah Highland, and that haircut is not doing her any favors. Sorry, continue. From Modern Family. <laughs> I really stuff. liked her look. I thought that, well, I didn't like the hair. I'll agree with you about the hair, because the hair was kind of No, the jacket like, was cute. Oh, this is a football helmet on top of a person. But the rest of the look was great, and I loved, 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 loved her makeup. Her makeup, to me, was drag. Like, I loved her makeup. Yeah, I'm going to say this. She came loving Drag Race, respecting drag, being an actress, like, excited to be there, ready to have fun. I'm overdoing eye makeup. We're doing this. I just think the hair, I'm a little like, girl, that haircut is not for you. Also, uh, I, I remember when uh, she was coming out, you were like, oh, she's solo judging? They got her to solo judge this week? I don't know if she could pull off a solo judging. And then her commentary during the runway was not only clever, punny, and good, but it was also very present. Like, she had enough zingers that most they had more lines from her than typically you get from a dual judging scenario True. on any other given True. week. She had more yeah, to no, say, was... more to contribute. I liked her as a guest judge. She could come back anytime. Like, yeah, I, I would not have, uh, before seeing the episode, I would not have assumed she would be so good, but she like, was. Like, literally absolutely. the only thing I didn't like was the hair. Loved every other part of it. And being a bitchy gay man, that's the first thing I went for. <laughs> I'll work on that. 
I'll work on that. Yeah, that's it. You literally that's were a like, me problem. Did you see her care? She's canceled. <laughs> I was. Um, all right. So uh, the runway category camo. You just, Hersla, you started out asking, what did you think of this what do you category? Think? Yeah, well, I'm so I was kind of dislike uh, camo generally. That I'm like, I get that they're always trying to mix it up. I'm a little like y'all can repeat some great challenge ideas from previous seasons. Um, I get it makes sense they would do one. It's not not going to be one I'm excited for. I have very much like my instantly in my head. I thought of the Layla McQueen quote from season eight. I think camo is a disgusting component of human culture. Same girl. <laughs> like same. That's what I thought. And then for that reason, it made me love the challenge because I was like, no, all stars is where you make these girls do looks based on just outlandish shit that no no respectable red carpet woman should be wearing a look composed of camo. But try to make it fashion. For, and try to make it fashion. And for that exact reason, it belongs on Drag Race. So I was here for this challenge. All right, you you, you make an interesting point. I'm still closer to, to Condi Nasty's position where I'm just kind of eh, yeah. on it. But let's let's start breaking down these looks. These these girls need our opinions. Okay. What do you think? Juju is so close to great every single time. Just the the shape of everything is fantastic. It needed to either be a reveal where the cape comes off or you reverse the cape or something with the cape or the dress itself needed to be in a more saturated color palette. Because I, I, I get the idea of beige over, like you're camoing the camo. That's a look. And neck up, she's gorgeous. I just thought it was a really classic A drag look. I thought... it. it I just wanted a little more... I wanted a pop of something to take it to that next level. I wanted it to be an A+. Plus. But I thought it was an A in that, uh, you know, it was a classic drag look in that she had the cape with the pattern of the dress as the inside of the the lining of the cape. So I was just like, oh, you went classic drag, honey. Classic beauty. You know what I don't want to see on this stage? Classic beauty. So... I thought it was great, but it it, it wasn't going to give me a wow moment. It was going to give me a, like, oh, she looks great moment. Not a like... Oh, no, she's she's flawlessly put together, but I'm sitting here thinking, is it a belt? Am I so basic I just need a belt? I don't know. Like, I just want I want one extra thing. See, I, disag- to make I disagree dazzling. with your I want one extra thing. The weird thing with Juju is she's like, she's like... The not just the bridesmaid, she's the maid of honor. She's like the you almost won. She's the top three every week now for a third season. But she does finally have a window under her belt. Hallelujah. Um, but part of her drag aesthetic is ready to wear. And I actually think she's so off the cuff funny all the time that her looking like a normal Asian girl that you like were friends with in high school, who's like funny and punny. Like, is part of what makes her comedy, like, I think zing even more because she feels so approachable and, like, real. Um, I feel like even though this was, like, classic beauty, it is, like, it. you could probably find all of these um, items somewhere. Like, nothing is custom, nothing is... And she doesn't do big, crazy conceptual looks. So I don't think... I don't think with Juju it's ever, like, a belt. It's, like, this is very good and does the challenge, but it also manages to still look ready to wear... And, like, if you're going to wow on this stage, it needs to be more conceptual. 
Um, but I like I love this look, and it is elegant enough for me that I'm like, if I felt like she was funnier than Cracker in the challenge, I think she would have. I would say she should have won because I think they both like these are clearly our top two. As far as, based on the main performances. I liked the look a lot, though. Like, I agree, oh, I uh, agree with me, that me girl too. that it's an A look. Uh, it's, it, no, it's, it's beautiful, and it's, and it's seamless, and it's very cleanly put together. But yeah, it's just, it, it's, always, it, it, it's that half step away from something really dazzling. And, and this was kind of my whole thing with this entire runway as a whole, is I love the category. I thought the category was awesome. And then I, but I just didn't feel like there was no one that walked out where I just went, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't actually particularly love the runway, but the category itself I thought was like perfect. Yeah. What'd you think of Cracker? Um, I liked Cracker's look a lot. I think she had a clear vision that she was going for. It's very like, even down to the ponytail, the ponytail's very Ariana Grande, and then it's just, yeah. like, this, like, pop princess, like, at a concert, like, type of look. I loved it. I thought it was great. It did it, like, I thought it was great. And then on top of that, I really liked the fact that it was, like, the most stereotypical camo, like, pattern. I really yeah. enjoyed that she made that into something so high fashion. That being said, yeah. I kept thinking that I was like, but why'd you put on your, your like, why'd you put the necklace on backwards, girl? Like, because there was that flap, that piece of fabric in the front yeah. that was opening. So I, um, I don't know why. I think like, you know, any, any theater person knows like, your eye is automatically drawn towards inconsistency and imperfection. So I was just, like, literally, I was staring at her neck the entire time, just being like, but why'd you do for, that? For, <laughs> yeah, for me, it was the bust. The bust fit. Like, I get you don't want to do a full plate with this look. And even if you wanted to rock your boy chest, the fit still needed to be better and contoured a little more. Like, there was something, like, it's like she has like a it's like a very tiny top, but it's still empty and it therefore doesn't sit against her body cleanly. There was something about it that just was odd and, and on a similar vein kind of drew my eye. I I actually liked the top. I thought it was great. It gave me Madonna like cone. Oh no, I, I like the shape and the idea of the top. I just think the execution felt a little. Oh, off what I'm saying is I wasn't bothered even by the execution. I thought the execution was also good. I agree with everything you're saying. It's very like Pop Princess does a army themed video, Destiny's Child Survivor meets Ariana, meets Gaga, meets Britney. Like, and I thought it was a good straight down the line way to go with this that was very well executed for what it was. Actually, I'm going to say it. That was my favorite look of the week. I liked it the most. She's tooting it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna toot it. It was my favorite look of the week. I didn't like the neck thing, but still, it was my favorite look of the week. Nice. Um, okay, and then God, I'm not looking at the middle line. I probably should be when we talk about them. Uh, Alexis came down next. Blair came down I... next. I thought. Well, oh, you're right. You're right. Thoughts on Blair? Well, I think the silence says a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I get what she was going for, and I appreciate an attempt to interpret camouflage in a more, in a, something outside of military fatigues. 
but it 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 was fine it just it was it was fine it was two types of camo because other people were like giving her shade for the fact that it was wood camo and then like uh foliage camo like yeah bark and foliage and i think that it was camo the whole way through but with the combination of the addition of like so many butterflies and then the fact that um like the way that it was put together with the wood being on bottom and then like the the foliage only being on the top it gave it and with the the exaggerated shoulders it gave it a look of more this is a tree and therefore it read more and especially with all the butterflies it read more mother nature than it did camouflage so yeah if you were like every one of these other girls honestly in my opinion except for alexis it read camo but this one read nature to me which i mean yeah what's the miss on that well, yeah, I, I think the what she would have had to do to make it work as camo is all of the all of the insects would have had to have been green and thus camouflaged where they're hiding. And I don't know how you turn that into a look like. Do you have like a praying mantis just like pop out of the dress or something? But like, yeah, the, <laughs> the, if those butterflies are not camouflaged. <laughs> she she could have done like Derek Barry season eight where you have like the wreath, but instead it's like a spider web. <laughs> like, yeah. I the, I yeah. just <laughs> I thought it was smart to be to try to reinterpret the materials to do like a different conceptual idea with it. I do think in the end it feels so late nineties Earth Mother girl with butterfly hair clips that it like it I like I think it's good. I think it's smart. I don't dislike it. I don't think she did not do the challenge. It you don't immediately think camouflage, but then disappearing into the forest as a tree is kind of on brand with like the functional purpose of camo. I right. do think that like weirdly for me the thing that said it just like maybe pull back on that is so many like neon color or like bright colorful butterflies towards the top make it like now it feels like you're not even trying to do camo. You just yeah. happen to construct this look with camo on accident. It like it just it like it's just a hair over the line where I'm like, but edit that back. But the thing that I think that she did, which was like a good swing and a miss, was like you know if you're going to reinterpret the category, if you're going to be so outside of the box with the category that you serve it in a way that no one else did, kind of like the Vivian uh, in uh, Rainy Day look. Where everyone else was in, like, a slicker, but she was the The actual embodiment of the rainy day. Like, go for that. But this was kind of like, I tried to do that with camo, and I wound up being Mother Nature. But it's not, like, camo in a way that you weren't thinking camo. It was just, like, I used camo to be Mother Nature, which was kind of just, like, eh, to me. I don't know. I just felt like it was trying to be so uh, conceptual that it ended up not being conceptual, in my opinion. If that makes sense. Alright, uh, next up is Shay. Thoughts? I like it. I don't love it. I like most that she had a story that backed it up. Like, her basically doing this, which... That's not even winter camouflage. That's just camouflage in different colors. But serving this kind of like 
attenuated take on Gladys Kravitz kind of worked for me. Um, maybe it's maybe it's just kind of rounding up because I love Shay, and she she objectively looks good. That's yeah. aquatic um, camouflage, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it worked for me because it had, like the proportions, the like the 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 wrap over the the very high wig, everything worked collectively in a way that made me smile, even if it didn't make me like gasp. Personally, uh, and the only reason that I think uh, Cracker was my favorite of the week outside of Shay was I just didn't like the silhouette of the baby doll dress, and maybe that's because I don't like silhouettes that are baby doll dresses. Sorry about it. But um, <laughs> and, but I thought it was a good concept and a great execution. I love the top, uh, like her everything from the head up, and I loved everything from the knees down. But I just didn't, I didn't like the, I didn't like the actual dress. And I thought that the uh, frill at the bottom of the baby doll dress, like. It just seemed a little bit, like, infantilizing for me. So, uh, I was just... Because the the story that she was telling was of, like, your nosy neighbor. And I was like, no nosy neighbor's wearing that baby doll dress with that big-ass frill at the bottom. That just doesn't happen. But it just, like... It just, in my opinion, it didn't fit with the story that she was uh, telling us. But... You know, I'm also full of shit, so whatever. <laughs> I liked it. I like that she used aquatic camo. I think it was a smart choice in the watering can pulled in on theme. My only issue with it is she's removed any kind of upper padding, any kind of chest padding from most of her looks this season. And I think the way that that fit her and her backside, like the proportionizing is off. I feel like lots of queens don't pad up top. And that works depending on what you're wearing. And it didn't work with this. That was my... But I I did like it. And I forget the name of the designer that she referenced. But it does look like his spring 2020 collection. Like, down. Um, so. Um, Alright. So, next we move on to Alexis in her winter camo. That girl. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're gonna start with me. I just hated it. I... <laughs> I don't know why. I just was like, uh, it didn't, I mean, maybe it is an actual, like, winter camo look, but I just did it. It didn't read camo to me. It read, like, Snow Queen. And then I just, like, I didn't really care for the, uh, makeup with it that went with it. Uh... But that was, that was it. I just, I felt like it was more Snow Queen than it was Camo. But, you know, maybe it's the case that it's just like, well, it was like Winter Camo. But it just, because it was so white, it was so white and it was Hunter's Camo. And Hunter's Camo looks like actual objects. It doesn't look like, you know, just like you know, white blotches of color that are like, you know, together. So it was just, I, I just didn't care. For I, I did like this actually. Um, 
I like the detailing with the leaves. It looks has a kind of delicate hand-painted quality that kind of did it for me. I agree on the makeup. It's too much dark around her eyes, and the stuff around her eyes just looks like she glued stuff to her face because she glued stuff to her face. <laughs> um, I I like the coat. I, I, and I kind of dig this. I, I think this is a more successful version of what Blair tried to do, which was go for a more organic camouflage rather than a military camouflage. And... If she were if she were standing in a you know forest north of the Arctic Circle, you wouldn't see her. It, I'll um, agree with you there. I'll also say this because it's coming off as if I don't think that this is a good look. I think that this is actually a very well executed look. I just don't care for it. So I and I I, I kind of liked it. It might be second or third favorite of the night for me. Like yeah, there's just something kind of delicate and beautiful and it's 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 also kind of it's it's in alexis's wheelhouse but it's not quite what we normally see from her she normally does much bolder colors much kind of more you know showgirl pageant there's there's something that feels like alexis's interpretation of something more delicate and other than the eye makeup thing i actually think this worked i agree i also just tend to like any kind of snow queen ice queen concept i thought it was a smart idea to try to do something different Go ahead and insert the joke you would like. It's why you look in the mirror so often. Busy. <laughs> um, and I, I thought it was well done for what it was. I, I guess I just I agree with you on the eye makeup and the stuff glued to her eyes. I liked it. I did not love it. I do feel like it is a type of camo. So whatever. I, I, I've got to retract all my previous statements and say that the only reason I didn't like this look is because I am tired of Snow Queens. I deal with one every day. God, <laughs> <laughs> just, just pile She's on this week. killing um, herself. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pay for that. I'm totally going to pay for that. That's fine. I got Are you. we all going to be friends when quarantine is over? That's the real open question. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to get my ass beat. Uh, next, we have Mayhem Miller. Thoughts? I like the proportions. I don't like anything else. Okay. I, like, yeah, I love her the hip padding is very good. The proportions are great. I think the. I actually think the color palette is fantastic. I love her hair and makeup. Um, but that does not make an all star look. Yeah. I feel like, like not- her aesthetic idea conceptually as a drag queen is very like Black Barbie. And I do feel like for her aspirationally, so much of like, I'm doing what Barbie does. I can do everything, every type of Barbie that's had every job. I'm doing it, but I'm a beautiful black girl doing it is like spiritually what I get the impression like Mayhem's drag is and, and drive is, which is like, I think it's very common and it makes sense and okay. But I also think that like conceptually that is just not enough to be competing on an all-star season and to be bringing the types of looks that are needed. I liked it and thought it was very good for what it was. I agree with Carson. It's not conceptual enough for an all-star stage. It just isn't it because it's so literally it is like black GI Barbie. That's all it is. I I thought it was one of those situations where it's just like, uh, you know, you show up, like, have you ever shown up to an event and then just realized that, like, you know, though you are technically, like, 
wearing what you were like supposed to wear you're just not at the level that everyone around you is at while doing that thing like where you show up and you're like oh this is a black tie event and then you have like you know a black tie outfit but you clearly look just like you know not as polished as everyone else sitting at your table at the gala it it felt like that where it was just like this is a great look i think that it matches her skin tone perfectly and her hair and makeup is exceptionally good yeah but it's just in comparison to everyone else around her i just didn't think it was uh enough to be like she it's enough to be like oh yeah you know so and so cape they they wore what they were supposed to wear but it's you know they they didn't stand out at all yeah i agree with that um in india i don't get her drag. I honest like she's talented. I'll I'll give her that. And this is an interesting take on Camo, but just every single decision appears to be like let me add 20 pounds of visual uh, either implicitly or actual weight to every individual subpart of my body. And it's every all of her drag just has this like density to it for me and I don't know why I respond so negatively to it, but just this just looks so heavy. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I loved her three in one the other week. I thought that was great. The oh. Hounds two three in one. I thought I like where it started. I was okay with where it ended. The middle. Mm. Oh no, I really <laughs> liked on. it, and I thought it was great. And for this look, I thought, uh, like, I felt like it was like. You know, a camo kimono silhouette without the kimono sleeves, which I was just like, where's my sleeves, bitch? I want the sleeves. Uh, so I understood the silhouette that she was going for, and I kind of like that she did a kimono with uh, the camo because no one else did anything like that. So I thought that that was great, and then I actually really like her, like, the the leather in the middle, like, the wrap, as well as the matching boots and gloves. I thought that was great. Um, I And I know she got a lot of praise for her uh, hair and makeup. I neither liked her hair nor her makeup in this look. And for me, that's what did it. And I also think that... Um, the actual pattern, like, I I live for this silhouette, but the pattern of the actual kimono fabric, I thought was a little too jarring for my taste, because it was very, like, high contrast, uh, very bold colors, and in my opinion, with a kimono silhouette, it should be... Well, yeah, because it's I'm, like a neon green now I'm camo really pattern that, that she it's put not together. That it should be softer, but it's just I did. I don't know why I didn't like it, but I didn't like it. It just didn't resonate with my soul. I loved structurally the garment. I would have chosen a different camo, but the look, the the garment as a whole, I liked. I would have chosen a different camo to do this with. Um, I agree with you on the heaviness of her drag, but I also felt like I liked this idea enough that that didn't bother me with this the way it does with other things. The hair and makeup, she does, she, 
and this is not shade. She just, she is not a fine featured person. She cannot pull off this makeup or wig. Like, Blair St. Clair could pull off an eye like that and a wig like that because she literally looks like a China doll. Like, India cannot pull this off. Um, I get why you would do helmet hair with this, but like, if I was India, I'd never do helmet hair. Yeah, even the earrings feel like it's like swallowing her neck. Which I get, I'm, not, I'm criticizing ear, earrings on a drag queen for being too big, but they're too big <laughs> and static. I th- like, if, if they were like a chunkier thing that moved, maybe I would like it more, but it, it's like there's this wagon wheel, like the, the steering wheel of a ship just plastered to her neck. It's like, I, I don't know, just everything's so big. And- I didn't mind that. I didn't. But I do yeah. think that, like, if she were, like, given that she was going to do helmet hair, I think I personally would have liked the helmet hair more if she had cut off two, maybe three inches of the wig and made it just mm. a little bit shorter because it was long enough that it didn't just, like, come to the back and end. It came to the back and then it's like, oh, oh, I'm going out a little. I'm going out a little. Like, I'm going a little bit beyond what you needed. And I just, like, if it had just been tighter and just looked like really really austere i would have liked it and it could have looked more austere if she had made it just a little bit shorter okay so that's it for the runway our top two of the week are juju and miss cracker and miss cracker is our winner our bottoms are alexis india and mayhem and shay and blair st Clair are safe uh any contentions? Nope, I, I agree. Uh, up and down the line. I I honestly didn't think that Shay was going to be safe, and I I didn't think that Alexis was going to be safe either, but uh, I'm actually very happy that both of them were kept, kept and safe, because... Um, they, uh, yeah, they, I think they make great TV. So I'm really happy because I don't think that Shay would have gotten through another week at the bottom. Like, because after, after the second time, like two in a row, they could have been like, oh, we're justified. We're vindicated. We could, we could trash this girl. So I'm very happy that she wasn't at the bottom. That being said, I don't know if I think she actually wasn't. Yeah, no, I think the track record and the expectations production have is a lot of why Mayhem and India were the bottom two. I absolutely would have put Alexis in the bottom because for me, like I would have sent Alexis home because I think you're giving them an improv challenge. She's breaking one of the three cardinal rules of improv. Bye. Like, and to me, I know, I know that girl, you don't think it was intentional. I think it was very intentional. And for that reason, if I were on the judges panel, I would set this up for, like, to me, I might override the rules and just send you your, your ass packing myself right now. Like, Yeah, I think that's your, I, I, I think that that has to do with the fact that I think that that's one of your greatest pet peeves in life. So whenever and an you improv. see it happening, you're literally just like, I'm, I'm triggered! Get they deserve to leave, they deserve to leave. Get them off! Get them out of here now! They did it in All Stars Three. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> I still. That's still one of my favorite eliminations of all time. Milk. 
I like that she br- pulled it out like before Rue was done talking. Yeah, yeah. It Mel- was so Mel- go home, go funny. Home. Oh, Kennedy. Such an emotional creature. Um, all right. So, yeah. Um, their deliberation. Do you, I don't care about talking about the deliberation. Ladies, do you care? Any notes on the deliberation? Uh, no. Mayhem kind of checked out, and that was it. Yeah. Um, Mayhem checked out. India was strategic. I will say it was it was nice seeing Mayhem talk about uh, when they were talking about their DUIs. Like they, she talked about an untalked last week, and they did it in the main show here. I think it's really important for people to be open about that kind of stuff because so many people struggle with those issues. So I do appreciate her uh, Candor. making herself vulnerable in this in this very scary form. Yeah, and I I also felt like it made I get the. I think a lot of people, there are a lot of narratives where it's like, I did this once, and I ended up in this situation once, and it was bad, and I promised myself I would never do it again. The truth is, I think in life, a lot of times, people will will be like, I did this once, and yada, 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 and it was bad, and I thought I corrected, and then I realized I didn't enough, and it's the second time where I was like, this is now a pattern, bitch. Do you, is this who you are? Like, that actually happens, and I feel like, narrative television doesn't tell you that story so it was nice to hear mayhem tell you that story well not only that but also like this happened once and it's everyone else's fault but mine like it's not my fault for doing it it's it's so and so's fault that i like a got, series of things i got wound me here. up in this circumstance and so like i mean that is obviously not like mayhem showed a lot of ownership of those things, but I think that that's also a common narrative that, uh, you know, allows, like, that enables people to continue with undesirable behavior. It's like, it's not my fault for doing the thing that is bad, but everyone else's fault for having a problem with the fact that it happened. <laughs> like, I mean, that's true. That does happen a lot, too. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have Miss Cracker and Morgan Miss McMichaels lip syncing to Rihanna's "Where Have You Been." Uh, I truly thought it was going to be Brooklyn when I saw the leggings, but Brooklyn's busy. Yeah, I I like the lip sync. I w- I love Cracker's lip sync look. I thought that she looked great. She looked um, fantastic. Yeah, like. And I, for some reason, maybe it's just the still I'm looking at, but Morgan McMichaels looks like she's painted to look like Tempest du Jour. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and there we are. Uh, I will say, every time Cracker executed a dance move, I was in this like weird place of, I know other queens who would do that dance move better. But I'm still impressed at the array of dance moves you have. Like, I, she's not a dancing queen. She's a comedy queen. And it's it's like when the when the pageant queen can be, like, solid at improv, she was solid at dancing. And I was not, I did not know if she would have that. Um, you have obviously not seen her live. Yeah, no, I have not. Cracker Live so, is, honestly, Cracker great. Live is one of my favorite performances I've ever seen of a drag I, queen I look lip fo- singing. I look forward to seeing so many people perform live in 2020. She garners all the tips. <laughs> she garners all the tips. And she deserves every last one because you know she makes a custom mix every time. Yep. And the custom mixes are hilarious, clever, but also always fucking bangers. Yeah. So nice. and she synchronizes both her comedy and her dancing in a way that's just truly amazing. See Cracker live when you can. Yeah. Will do, uh, on my list. Um 
I was pulling for Cracker, and but when she first called Morgan McMichael's name, I wasn't like gonna burn my house down over it. I'm like, eh, close enough. But I still, this was not a double win situation. I think this was just for the purposes of being able to have them both say mayhem. Yeah, obviously. Like, ugh, double. It was good. It wasn't a double win. Good. It also good. ended. I thought it was a pretty good lip sync. I thought it ended low, which I think ending kind of messy and underwhelming is like it kind of brings the overall feel down like it was good it wasn't great but i'm just very confused as to why we aren't talking about the coffee grinder skip it moment give it to me like the coffee grinder skip it moment was one of the best things i've ever seen on that stage like i thought it was so hilarious it was clearly improv it, it was better improv than we saw in any of the skits, let me tell you. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Not only, but also, there was this... The, the, the other thing I want to bring up, and it's totally nitpicky, but it just, like, it, it moved me in a way that I didn't expect, which is uh, after, after uh, Cracker did a shablam to the floor, she did this move where she, like, pulled herself up. Her face up, up yeah. Her, pulled yeah. her face up with her hand. And for some reason, that just, I, I was just like, <gasps> like, I had this total, like, touch Pearl's gasp moment that I wasn't expecting <laughs> to happen. And that, but I'll also say this, uh, I was very surprised that it was a tie because Cracker, uh, like, you know, how they say, like, uh, the top always wins. If you ever, like, interact with the other drag queen, the top always wins. That's and, true. And Morgan McMichaels was the top. And uh, I also was very shocked that it was not a solo win for Morgan McMichaels because I thought I thought she just brought it harder. Yeah, like I said, when 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 I thought it was going to be Morgan, I'm like, that's fine. That's just that justifiable. I wanted Cracker to win, but that was like an emotional thing, not a not an objective thing. <laughs> no, I mean they just I think they wanted the mayhem both. Both. And they, they'll yeah. only ever do that if it's a double name. They never do it if it's like, and two girls are going home. What are we going to do for an extra episode? Um, yeah, d- and d- don't get me wrong. Had it been Mayhem in India, I would not have also not, I also would not have, not have been angry. <laughs> yeah, you Same. could have been like, well, I mean, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't, it, it, it's like that joke on The Simpsons. I'm a well-wisher and that I don't wish you any specific harm. I, I want her to have a good life. I just have no interest in being a part of it. Just. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That That's real. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. Overall, I, it was okay. It wasn't a great episode, but it was okay. I did like yeah, the way her- that uh, Mayhem chose to leave. I thought that, that was super classy. I love the I'll see you yeah. at Sizzlers with Morgan yeah, McMichael. Yeah, the Sizzler comment was, was very great. funny. Was great. And then like, you know, she's she she definitely showed she was queen of the party. And I do think that she had a lot of growth compared to where she was in 10. So, I was really happy that she came back yeah. and I think she yeah. did really well. Like, this episode was okay in the balance for me because, you know, we got some good uh, Jujube and Cracker humor and that worked really well. And it was kind of fun to see Alexis and Shay grudgingly be like, we enjoyed working together, but we're still not friends. I don't know, that all that little interchange worked for me. So to the extent it engaged in the stupid drama that normally we don't like, it used it well. And I, they just need fucking better writers for these skits. 
dear lord. I agree. I agree. Uh, I actually think because they're doing so many improv challenges in recent seasons and so many of and they don't they're not scanning for girls who will be good at that. I think it would be really I think it would be great if like All Stars episode two or three they brought in like a Nicole Byer, an Amy Poehler, a Tina Fey, somebody who's like a famous beloved icon who's done like UCB or Second City through, who's like an improv pro, to do like a ten minute the girls got a day long workshop with Tina Fey, so they had any fucking idea how to do this before going to their first improv challenge because a it would be a great opportunity to like highlight and showcase like a great celebrity in that canon and to like acknowledge like we're kind of asking them to do something not all of them do and to give them the tools to actually provide us more entertaining skits when they do that um i think it would be the type of thing would be a big plus to the star to the show to the subsequent episodes of the show if you're going to do this much improv teach them improv agreed agreed next week is the dating game the snatch yeah the snatchler whatever snatch game of love there we go um yeah god did we not learn our i was surprised it wasn't just (laughs) going to be a classic snatch game again but snatch game i know um but (sighs) i would like to say thank you that girl for being on this episode and again very much happy birthday to you happy pride to everyone happy pride to all of our listeners remember that that fight is still raging and other civil rights fights that are still raging right now are very important um but celebrate the victories which are, which are also connected to the pride one yep i saw a dipshit on twitter say something about like black history like like because there's black history month don't come to like don't insert yourself into pride i'm like slow your roll dipshit uh, first of all <laughs> intersecting uh, for, for, and like very self like referential to one another civil rights movements like let's not yeah yeah no look. also all like for yeah first of all uh black people have always been part of the queer rights movement and they were at the forefront of it and it was a trans black woman who threw the first brick at stonewall and second if you want to get technical the gays do have a holiday during black history month elaine stritch's birthday is february 2nd <laughs> work um yeah so (laughs) be sure to take a moment to celebrate all of the victories the lgbt community has made all of the strides we've made over the past 51 years since the beginning of the modern gay rights movement and celebrate the the civil rights victories of the past decade um the gay rights movement has made huge headways in changing social and sexual norms throughout so much of the world and all of that is very important. Do take a moment to pause and appreciate and celebrate that. Also remember that the ongoing struggle for civil rights and basic safety from police officers is real. And yeah, stay no, woke. Like, all that. All that in a bag of chips. All right. Uh, I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Hersel Bitch. Bye. Bye.